Welcome to Nerd's Eye View, episode 212 for the first week of February 2015. I'm Jordan Scott, and I have with me Andrew. Hi! How you doing, Andrew? Doing good. Cool. Yeah. Grit. I'm doing very good. Good, good? Good, good? Good. You, do, you had two words there, and you decided to put them right in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just best of both worlds. Yeah. Good. All right. As an English major, I'm just going to let it slide this time. We're going to have a talk after the podcast, though. What? Wait a second. Because this what? behavior is not okay. Gr- grid's not a word? No. What about grood? Grood? That's uh, not a word. Okay. It's called uh, whatever people make up in movies because they feel like it. Like the croods. No, gr- grood. <laughs> what? Wait a second. What? <laughs> Crude is a word. Just not the way they spelled it. And Tom, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. Nice. Happy Groundhog Day, by the way. Nice. Oh, yeah, I heard he bit the dude. He bit the <laughs> he bit the mare, the yeah. groundhog. I thought Bill Murray bit someone? Wait no, a second. Yeah. No, <laughs> they, is this still coming this no, long after the what movie came out? They always do the stupid thing where they hold up the groundhog and like talk in his ear. Yeah, yeah. And the groundhog just went, and just took a freaking bite right out of the mare. I so, mean, you got to talk to the groundhog. Right. So did you see his shadow? Uh, no, I think he was too busy drawing blood. Okay, so yep. we're clear for winter. He's, yeah. He saw that shadow. That's why he bit the ear. <laughs> That's the new signal. So you need to listen this time. That's the new signal. We're never going to have winter again and global warming. <laughs> He's very pro-climate change, the groundhog. Yeah, we don't, we don't get a lot of interviews with, with Pucks of Tony Phil because no. uh, oof, he's... Uh, he just got angry, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's got that PTSD, you know? He's just oh, so no. angry. That's very uh, timely <laughs> that you're mentioning that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> On this, our episode, our episode of... <laughs> Is that what he did to the poor man? Yeah, yeah. American he snipped Snipper. his ear. Yep. <laughs> oh boy, we're gonna review American Sniper. Oh, are we? The world's uh, greatest sniper. <laughs> Most ferocious. Some people call him the legend. <laughs> the legend. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't you don't want to be called that ever? That's a very awkward nickname. We're gonna talk about that later. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. So what what else do we do besides review movies? We talk about the box office top ten. We go through the new releases on Blu-ray, DVD, and TVD. And then after our review, we do a little segment that you like to call... Guess the ending. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, then we have our little... Uh, before and after that, we've got promotions. Sure. Yeah. Somewhere in there. We don't need to talk we about kind those. Of just, we need to sneak those in. We roll a D20 and figure out where it's going to go on the show. And yeah. it just Oh, it's just we always happen to get the same number, so... Yeah, it's that, nice. That die is not weighted. What's no. a D twenty? Okay, nerd. Let's uh, let's continue to the box office. All right, count me down. Uh, hopefully, you don't get stuck in number ten. The loft. But if you do, you can use some number nine. Strange magic, which you could use for number eight. Taken three, and then you'll win number seven. The imitation game. They might. Get you for cheating if you use number six. The wedding ringer. Who uh, lives with number five. The boy next door. And you haven't gotten a good look at him, so it could be number four. Back or right. And to figure that out, we're going to do number three. Project Almanac. Uh, who is secreted away from London with number two. Paddington. Who is secretly number one. American. Right. He's a sniper. I, and hold he on. shoots from you, his little oh. spot. <laughs> All right, that's adorable. Well done. But you did the same exact thing last week, and I don't appreciate it. I'm sorry. 
It was the first thing you that need, came to my you head. Need new material. Not, well, they we need to stop having American Sniper be number one and Paddington be number two. Well, we'll talk to the children and the war fanatics. This and is get to take care is, of. This is to inspire people to not see the same movies week after week. Mix up your movie choices, and we'll give you some new improv. Well, bits look, here. look what came out: The Loft, Black or White, and Project Almanac. Like, yeah. either you like, and they all placed Kevin Costner. Four in uh, unfaithful dudes or a bad Michael Bay found footage movie like, yeah. <laughs> I think all people fit into one of those three areas. <laughs> Everybody, well, okay. It's, here, it's I like think each it's of like, us would pick a different one. Are you ready? Like, it's like the di- it's like the movie Detergent where uh-huh. they they pick what they're going to do in life with the yeah. three little bowls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, this but, is these three but movies. These are three. Movies. At the count of three, I want to decide what you're going to say. One of these names of this movie. Detergent, by the way, or is he, there really a detergent? No, he calls no, it detergent. I, I call it detergent. Okay, he does the mad parody. Yeah. No, at the count of three, where each of us is going to say out loud the name of the film that from those. So three we have to we, pick one. That we have to pick one, and if and if any of us you know says what the other one says, then my theory's proven wrong. Okay. Okay. Wait, so, so th- what were the three again? It was The, it's loft, the loft, Black or White, Black or White, and Project Almanac. Project Almanac. Okay. I don't even know what The Loft's about. Doesn't matter. Pick one of those three. Uh, Cyclops uh, is unfaithful, has a secret hideaway, and people start dying, and they've, they've, everyone finds out it's that a, they have a secret oh, It's well, a sexy murder mystery. Oh, I thought it was Shrek, basically. Okay, so yes. count of three. It's Shrek. One, two, three. Project Almanac. Project Almanac. What'd you say? Black or White. So oh. you guys are paired up. Okay, so two peas in a pot over here. I almost said the loft, you know? That was a close one. Got to go for the cost. I yeah. think he killed it because he said it was like Shrek, and you're like, ugh. <laughs> not, no, I, not, not another Shrek. It's a sexy murder mystery. <laughs> Shrek ain't sexy. Uh, Depends what, on who you're asking. What's going on, American Sniper? <laughs> so much money. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about my recent, and by recent I mean today's experience of seeing the movie. Mm. Um, Four-star cinema... In Cyprus, if you you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So very small theater, four screens, very small screens, very small you know rooms that the screens are housed in. Did they shrink them um, more? I feel yeah, like you said small so much. I feel like it's smaller than. Well, I yeah, remember. they they ate one I'm of the. I'm co- imagining a Willy Wonka room experience. Yeah, they ate one of the cookies. Um, and uh, Alice in Wonderland, by the way. And <laughs> sure, just just. like snodgeberries. So, the theater was almost full. Hmm. At two thirty in the afternoon today, hmm. and it's because it was full of retired people. Hmm. I was the youngest person in the theater, mm-hmm. and I'm thirty. Wow! So that's who's going to see this movie over and over again. I have to tell you, I then I made the right choice because I went and saw it during the Super Bowl. <laughs> So I, I got middle-aged that. ladies and children who should not have been there. What? Children were going well, to no. see this and movie? About an hour in, a lady and a child came in, sat behind me. The child would not stop talking and then kicked the seat like three seats away from me Ugh, constantly. I've... So I, I, I kept muttering, but what the fucking fuck? <laughs> like but I wanted it to be loud enough so this mother would be like, oh my God, there's a psychopath near my child. Oh my yeah. God. I went when the... Went like two weeks ago, and there was a guy in a wheelchair that left halfway through the movie, so I got to watch them pick up the chair and leave. Wow. Nice. Uh, yeah, but the middle-aged ladies really made the experience very unique, where during the trailers, they had some weird running commentary that I didn't understand. And at the end, 
I I don't want to spoil reviews or whatever, but the end when they when the credits come up that it's based on a real story or whatever, they go, it's based. Oh, hold I on. knew it. Hold on, <laughs> they both shouted. I, I, I have I have some contention to bring up with that, but it says it's not based on a memoir or a true story. It says based on a novel by three dudes. Sure, sure. And we'll novels get, we'll are works of fiction. We're we're all preempting the review because it's in the top ten. I'm just saying, if it was a memoir, it'd be a memoir, but it's not. Uh, anyway, Paddington. Who would have guessed it? I did. Number two still. Because it's an outstanding children, British film. Because people need to see... People need somewhere to take their kids and look at the rest of that list. And, well, what Strange Magic your... is a kid's film, but it didn't but no get one... advertised. All right, but it's made by George Lucas, and no one wants to see a George Lucas film ever. Well, I'm just going to... I'm going to put it had bad advertising, so that's that why... Too. Like, I didn't know it existed until people, the, it came out. People don't even know it's a musical. Yeah. So... So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Tom? Right. What's what's happening with new releases? Right. On DVD and Blu-ray, we have Dear White People. You really enjoyed that film. I did. I saw it back at Sundance last year. It really grew on me and had to wait until like September or October whenever they released it. I thought maybe I just liked it because I saw it at Sundance, but seeing it the second time, I still really enjoy it. I think it's funny. It has a lot to say about the racial climate of today, I think even more so than Selma, even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny, insightful, has a lot of movie references, and, like, I feel maybe it won't appeal to the older audience, because there's some in there that are a little bit hard to follow if you're not hip with okay. today's references, but I feel like it matters along the lines of Do the Right Thing, though, then again, I don't know too many other movies like Do the Right Thing, so. Yeah, I like that. I like Dear White People a lot. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I would recommend it. Cool. Yep. Uh, I believe the 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 evil white kid in Dear White People is in American Sniper, isn't he? The he, he's kind of the cowardly one. Yeah. The younger brother? No, no, no. The the, the real cowardly one, the one who's like Chris Kyle's like, I'm gonna go down there and kick oh, down some doors his, his, if, you, if you're not his, there with me. His marine watcher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just I think love, it's that guy. I just love on Amazon the white guy gets top billion in it for oh. some reasons. Like, yeah, it's kind of sad. That's racist. That's messed up. Yeah, that's messed huh. up. Especially because the 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 main uh, lady I don't remember her name, but she has a lot of TV work. Like she doesn't. She's you know not yeah, in a ton of movies, but she's also in Selma. But yeah, she was and in she, Selma, and she's on uh, or she was on Person of Interest. She was really great on that show. Yeah. yeah. What's next, Tom? All right, Dracula Untold. Jordan saw this. I liked it. I wanted to see it. Because it, it takes... All right. It's a part of the Universal's initiative where they're fe- essentially doing the Avengers with all the different monsters. And this was the first movie where it's it's kind of bringing all the different creatures together um, into like an overarching movie. I don't even know which one they're doing next. But it essentially turns Dracula into a superhero. I think The Mummy. The Mummy. That was la- 2016 I'm hearing for The Mummy. It's really interesting. I mean, it's it's taking the legend and instead of being like, oh, we're going to tell like an interesting drama or whatever, like if you want that, you can go watch Bram Stoker's Dracula. Sure. But this is more of a... you want to uh, see a guy turn into a flock of bats and kill people, yeah, this is for you. Tons of people and turn his hand and just hit the ground and all of a sudden bats hit the ground so hard that the whole ground <laughs> Hit the ground explodes. so hard that the bats whole, come the out. Whole, yeah, the whole valley just explodes. Uh it's it's not bad. It's got some interesting ideas, and um, it's got uh, uh, Tony Stark's father in it, so that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not a bad movie by any means, but it's it, just understand that you're just going to see a, a, an action movie. Oh, it's got him and Luke Evans, mm-hmm. who's the the human guy in the Hobbit trilogy, yep. 
who, uh, you know, I think he should have been better in that. It's a shame. I think. I think. I don't think it's his fault. That's I think those Hobbit movies are not very good, and so. If you're gonna watch a get, Hobbit movie, watch the cartoon. From I could the get 70s. behind the first one, and then by the second one, I was just like, "Nah, this is." This I couldn't. Is dumb. I watched. I, I recorded them both off uh, uh, off of just the movie channels, and I got so bored during the second one that I took out my Wii U pad and started playing oh. video games on it while the movie was on because I yeah. just it's like I don't have to pay attention to this. I think there's a re-edit that could have been done to make the two last ones make better sense. Yeah, like to make it into one movie. Not split it where they did because that annoyed the shit out of me. Such a weird place to and, split. And it. then like Luke Evans was like, "There's a part where him and the elf guy and like Gandalf are having a chat," and I'm like, "I want to be there. Yeah, I want to be in that discussion. I don't right. want to be following around these dumb uh, dwarves, you know, as they fight over gold. Like, mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about that." It almost feels like Peter Jackson's falling into the George Lucas, pro- like <laughs> position where he's. He's changing the movies in such a way to where he's like, oh, this is what people want. This is interesting. Mm. And when he did that with the Lord of the Rings movies, it it, it was what we wanted. And mm. now he's he's gone too far. Yeah, he's 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 gotten to a position where people aren't telling him. He's no. putting the walkie talkies into those cops' hands, right? And we just we don't want that. No, we I'll, liked we liked the guns. Yeah, yeah. where they're pointing the freaking walkie talkies at people. <laughs> so I'll quote Benson say I'm not looking forward to ten ten two now. I no. still am. I'm, I know, but it's Peter Jackson. After what you just said, well, as long I think I think it's because it's the Hobbit, it's the Lord of the Rings, and he did such yeah. a good job with verse three that everyone's like, "Oh, you know, we're not going to tell you what to do or that something doesn't work." I think when he's working on other projects, that he does he does take other people's input. Well, I hope so because I really like the first Tintin and want good things for this one. As far as we know, it could switch hands again. You know, there's been yeah. no details come out about there's, it yeah. in a while. Yeah, but. Okay, yeah, sure, why not? Until a movie hits theaters, like stuff stuff changes so much. Even even at this point, I was just reading earlier, the Cameron Co.'s new movie that's coming out in May mm-hmm. in just a couple of months still has no title. That's insane. No title. Yeah. And so they can't advertise it because there's no title. And then there's there's a bunch of movies that sit in limbo for like two years before they get released for mm-hmm. one reason or another. Like it's yeah. just so strange. Yep. But that's the way it works. Right up next, John Wick. I good. love that movie. Good, good movie. Whoa! I, I think that is Keanu Reeves' best acting I've seen him do in probably a decade. Well, to be fair, how many Keanu movies did you watch? All those ninja movies he did. Yeah, is that he's he's really good at Man of Tai Chi. Okay, really good. Forty Seven Ronin's just a stupid action movie. You yeah. turn your brain off, and that's actually really good to watch. Hmm. But it's. Nothing amazing, nothing... Like, if that's on a movie channel and you got nothing else to do, leave 47 Ronin on. Man of Tai Chi's on Netflix. Very good. He plays a bad guy in that one. And he's a really good bad guy. And then in this, like... He actually shows emotion. Which well, isn't anger or, you know? I think beyond his performance, I think the, the world that they crafted in is this really film interesting. is really interesting. Yeah, interesting and, and a little insane, but, but and, and, that makes it all the and more all worth of it. And all of the roles, like the, the one who controls the hotel, um, the guy from Deadwood, and he's in one of the Pirates of Caribbean's movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's fantastic. The, the concierge at the hotel is really good. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the other assassin chick. Mm-hmm. Like, he's surrounded by really good actors as well doing a good job. And they're all kind of, if the joke is this is a really just fun action movie that we're not going to take super seriously, like everyone's in on the joke yeah, and you can feel it. It's just a a good movie. (laughs) I'll be picking it up. All right. On DVD only Hector and the search for a hat penis. (laughs) 
well, a way to disrespect Simon Pegg. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't heard any good things about this one. Uh, I wanted to see it. See, I didn't even know Simon Pegg was in this. You should have. You should have made this one the, the thing. Nah, I thought it was big enough that you would have heard. And also, this is another. This is another weird thing. I, I, because I haven't seen it, so I can't say. But Rosamund Pike is in it as I think his wife. <laughs> and that after Gone Girl, that that doesn't bode does well she, for him. Does she slice people's throats and continue to have sex with them oh, afterwards? Gone Girl spoilers. Uh, I don't know, but I think it's funny <laughs> that she would be. That maybe that's why this movie they like give it a real like slow push. Cause, Interesting. But she's coming she, up. I, I think. I think she's a great. She actress. should be in more things. Right. Yeah. She was really good in another I dumb action movie. I love uh, the World's End. Jack Reacher. Well, what, what I can't remember which Bond film she's in, and that's that's sad for me. She's it's not. not good in that. That that yeah, wasn't she, a g- it wasn't a good Bond film, but she was the one who switches sides, and I like uh, that. Ah, okay. I thought that was good. Well, she was great, but that happened preacher. like two two Bond films in a row, so a lot of people were like, "Well, whatever." Mm-hmm. It was, I think, it was the one before the world is not enough. Okay, can't can't quite put them in order. She's Those Brosnans good. all look the same to me. Even there, were, I, re- I watched a documentary where Brosnan was being interviewed, and he couldn't remember in what order they were released, <laughs> and he was in them. Come on now. All right, new on Blu-ray, we have Diner. What's this? According to Tom, it's Barry Levinson's first film. It's also on Entertainment Weekly's Top 100 Movies for some oh, reason. Okay. It has uh, Gutenberg and Nick Nolte. It's got Six Degrees Man himself. Kevin Bacon. Yep. Hmm. That's about it. No, there's more. Mickey, Mickey Rourke. That's, that's another. It's like f- five or six friends get together at a diner after they graduate or something. Various escapades in 1950s Baltimore. Oh boy, it was uh, you know hot on the heels of uh, American Graffiti. Am I, um, or was it before eighty two? I don't know. American Graffiti was long before that. Okay, good. Hot on the heels. <laughs> hot on the heels. <laughs> Took them that long to and, make movies back then. Tom. And by hot, we mean oh, yeah. years later. All right. What's and next? up next, Porn Poco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Palm Poco. No, it's Porn Poco. This is a Studio Ghibli film. Oh. And it's about uh, these little raccoons that can shapeshift, and the people want to build like a mall or a highway or something where they live, and they have to dissuade them from doing so. Interesting. Also, uh, part I can't remember what it, they're called Tanuki, right? They're, yeah, Tanukis, which and, are in um, all of like a lot of the Mario games. Yeah. The um, the weird thing about this this cartoon, this this uh, children's cartoon, is that they. All the Tanuki have balls. That's kind of weird. And that's like that's a thing though. Like if you look at a statue, if you find like a statue of a Tanuki, that's their balls are a big <laughs> part of it. So if you ever wanted to watch a children's drawn animated cartoon with a bunch of raccoon balls, well, Mario doesn't have balls. Well, when he's in the Tanuki, I mean, form. Nintendo knew it was up though. They, they, they knew the history. It's so weird. You're looking at it, aren't you? Oh, I I put Tanuki and did. Images and it's all just Mario and other. Uh, you gotta spell characters. the different way. I think there's a different way to spell it. How are you spelling it? T A N O O K I. Might be with a U instead of O O. Really? Try that. I don't know, man. Huh. Uh, a whole new world. So that's a Ghibli. Oh yeah, film. you're right. Up next is another Ghibli. Yeah, film. look at that statue. That's creepy. <laughs> Holy. Up shit. next we have Porco Rosso. This is this is my favorite Studio Ghibli film. Uh. My favorite Miyazaki film. They just need to hurry up and release all of them so I can just buy a collection. Yeah. They're taking their time and I don't appreciate well, they're it. They're putting them out on Blu-ray real slow. I mean, aren't nice they... Nice and slow. Isn't 
No, never mind. That's old news. Jeez, look at all these weird <laughs> statues. Why'd We're you do this to me? Just, you know I go on the internet. If if anyone went and watched Pompoco and thought like, oh yeah, this is going to be a great time, and then they'd be like, what is going on here? Whoa. Yeah, that's a that's a still from it. And yep, they all got balls. And it's it's also part of their transformation sometimes. <sighs> wow. All right, Tom's excited for what's on TV. But yeah, I like Porco Rosso. Anyways, on <laughs> okay. TVD. We have two Bob Newhart show sets. We have season five and the final season. Mm-hmm. Bob Newhart's an American treasure. Check him out. Great show. Summarize it right there. <laughs> Good. Uh, and, but I was I was reminded that he's he's the one who has like he has like three or four different shows all with his name as the title. Bob mm-hmm. Newhart show. Newhart Bob. And I think there was another Bob Newhart show before the Bob Newhart show. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. All right. Holy crap. What should you do if you want any of those, Tom? If you want any of those, check out your local video store. Are we doing Amazon links still or no? Oh, I mean, if you want. If you want. I would recommend most of these. Yeah, me too. There's uh, a lot the of good stuff. The Ghibli's are really good, even though I haven't seen them. I, they just have a level of quality that rarely dips. Um, I'd go for John Wick, personally. Though. Just, uh-huh. Okay. Dear white people. Are we ready? Uh, yeah. Uh, we are going to review American Sniper right after this. got a military age male uh, on a cell phone watching the convoy over. If you think he's reporting troop movement, you have a green light. Your call, over. Maybe he's just calling his old lady. <laughs> he stepped off. Hold on, I got a woman and a kid 200 yards out moving towards the convoy. arms aren't swinging. She's carrying something. Yeah, she's got a grenade. She's got an RKG, Russian grenade. She's saying to the kid. You say a woman and a kid? You got eyes on this? Can you confirm? Negative. Your call. They fry you if you're wrong. All right, guys. Are you ready for some football? No, that was Super Bowl. Sorry. No, that was we just that missed just that. Passed. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, we are. I think it should be known that we are recording this on the inaugural Chris Kyle Day. Oh, it was announced by the governor of Texas. Okay. From this day forward, every year February second will be Chris Kyle Day in the state of Texas. It's a holiday. Do they not like Groundhog Day? Or, or do they love it too much? I don't know. That's weird. I see that they would pick Groundhog Day. Lots of Texas don't really get that cold. Did he? Did 
when did he die? Do you remember? Is it supposed to be he 2013. died? 2013. No, but I mean like the day. Was I think it, it was February yeah, 2nd? It was February 2nd. So oh, okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I thought they just picked this day because they're like, oh, it made a lot of money. Let's, no, let's cash in, guys. Yeah. Yep, February 2nd. That's why. <clears throat> All right. Okay. All right. Uh, Tom. Yes? You have a written review of this somewhere on the internet. Uh, yes, I do. Ooh. And uh, could you... Do you want to summarize that real yeah, quick? Yeah, please do. Um, wait, summarize the movie or summarize my review? Oh, well, uh, you can summarize your review. But real quick, the movie's about uh, Chris Kyle, who was a sniper in the... I mean, what are they called? The the SEALs. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking to Jordan, and I should have looked to Tom for confirmation. I think Jordan's reading some kind of research He's there. He's still looking at raccoon balls. Still looking at raccoon balls. <laughs> I can't uh, stop, man. He was a he was a seal. He was a sniper. Uh, he became famous for being having the most confirmed kills as a sniper. Uh, he wrote a book. Blah blah blah. I mean, uh, yeah. That sounds about right. And then, spoiler alert: apparently, he dies because we have a holiday. Yep. So, thank you, government, for ruining the movie. Well, you can have a holiday and still be alive. And it's not the entire government. It's the government of Texas, which yeah. has been trying to cede from America for a while now. So. And if you watched Boyhood, you know they're terrifying. Yes, they yeah. have their own Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, pledge That's of the allegiance. creepiest part of that entire movie. That Good job stealing Paul of Tompkins' joke. Holy crap. <laughs> I, have to, I don't know who Paul of Tompkins is, oh, okay. but okay. Wow, you live a sheltered life. No, I just <clears throat> don't care. Sheltered oh. life. Don't let Yeah, I <laughs> have a sheltered life. That's what it is. Okay, for Tom, your a summary of what you thought. Well, from from that written source, and then we'll get into discussion okay. points. Well, as I've stated before on the show, I'm a sucker for Clint Eastwood. I thought Million Dollar Baby was effective, even if it was a little gimmicky and manipulative. So, in a sense, I was kind of expecting to be as moved by it as I was. I personally really engaged with the movie. I felt it was a great representation of PTSD and the way they represented it by just throwing you into a situation like every minute there was like, Will that person die? Will that person live? How will Chris Kyle get out of this? Like, there's many scenes where I'm just on the edge of my seat trying to figure out what's going on, and then when he's back at home and he's all quiet, there's a great subtle nuance to it that just really made it the PTSD hit home. He didn't do much, but when he would like be distant in a conversation or not really engaged in certain things, it was really interesting, and personally... It reminds me a lot of The Deer Hunter in a way because both are emotionally devastating movies that throw you into these situations and force you to deal with it. And I made the mistake of watching them almost right after the other. So that's five hours of pure misery on my part. God. But I really love this movie. I think it was my favorite of last year just because of how effectively Clint Eastwood managed to make everything execute for better or worse term. All right. All right. Uh, and now for the lesser. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, do we want to just talk about PTSD for a little bit? I sure. mean, we probably don't want to, but it's, it's in the film. And I do, I do think people are going to say, as Tom just has, that, that its portrayal of PTSD is very good, which I would say it's, it's certainly unique in that. Right, Jordan? In your memory, can you think of... Do you, I mean, I don't know about your knowledge of war films or, or recent war films even, mm-hmm. uh, but another film that has dealt with, with the, the trouble of coming back home 
after fighting? <clears throat> there was uh, Hawkeye was in one, right? He was the bomb. Jeremy Renner, yeah. Well, Hurt Locker, yeah. Hurt Locker. Oh, that one in the award. Mash. Yeah, Mash. <coughs> the the laugh riot Mash. Uh, well, it has a Hawkeye in it. It does have a Hawkeye in it. Oh, uh, okay. Um. Yeah, I think I did a good job. I mean, I've kind of experienced both sides of it, like the movie portrayal and the regular side, because while I don't suffer from it, I have several family members who are in the military, um, one of whom was in a psychiatric ward, a Navy psychiatric ward, for a while after his experiences over there. Mm. And um, I spent a lot of time with him talking about everything, and it's, it's really intense, and... Um, I think, I think it did a good job. Um, some of it was very nuanced. The other stuff I kind of felt was a little heavy handed, but the dog scene, um, up to the dog scene. Yeah. Okay. Cause I mean, I mean, that has to be sourced in something he really did cause it, Bradley Cooper talked about a bunch of it about how he used uh, tons of like he had thousands of hours of footage that um, Chris Kyle's wife gave him mm-hmm. and he was going through it and watching it and mm-hmm. obviously they were using the novel that was co-written by Chris Kyle and two other people mm-hmm. um, to kind of source a lot of their stuff and, and it was said that <clears throat> like this this movie was edited differently than the way it was intended because when they first started making the film it was before he passed away mm-hmm. and um he was murdered during, during all the stuff that happened, mm-hmm. um, while while they were still filming stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it the movie itself kind of changed and became kind of the plight of the soldier. Um, in Bradley Cooper's words, he said in an, in an article that it, it became more about the plight of the soldier and the way it affects people and stuff like that. Whereas before, it wasn't even about that. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think I think it did a pretty good job. Um, but there was, there was some stuff like, it's weird. I, I wish I'd written it down better. There was some, there was a couple of times where I felt it was a little heavy handed. Uh, I thought the, the, the one time that I really thought it was, it was used in at least, uh, an interesting way was when, uh, there's a scene where he's at like a mechanics mm-hmm. and he hears the, the drill. drill sound. Yep. And that, like, that See, was interesting because even that was in the back of my mind, mm-hmm. and that drill sound brought it forward in yep. a way that I thought, like, oh, this is exactly for him, but he was there. Yep. So that's interesting enough. That's one thing I liked about the way they did it is it was never done with dialogue the way he was always subdued, and you could tell it was kind of going on in his own mind. They did a great job with that. Yeah. Because in, in, a, in a lesser film there would be yelling and complaining and him mm-hmm. acting out and stuff like that. But instead it was, it was all internalized, which many yeah. times it is. And mm-hmm. there usually is a snapping point, which he almost has mm-hmm. in the film. Um, but yeah, it does it the way the subdued way that it handles it is, is done really well. And the way he just feels so awkward in his own skin when he's not in war, like mm-hmm. it does a great job showing the dichotomy because the film in its structure does uh his life and then a tour and then his life back home and another tour and it it does that cycle over and over again until you know it reaches the unfortunate end Mm -hmm. and you can just tell when he's at home he's very uncomfortable always he's Mm -hmm. out of his skin and then when you see him on the battlefield he's comfortable he's calm Mm -hmm. he's almost never upset until the very end of the movie yeah um during his last tour so 
that is super well done. I really appreciated that. Um, but but I want to talk about is so once we get past uh, once his tours are over, he comes home and he does finally in in a way seek help, but not really. It's it more he shows never that, really admits that he needs help. Yeah, he never really admits that he needs help. What he ends up doing is he he helps out other veterans mm-hmm. who who have it way worse than him. Oh, that's where I felt like it was heavy handed hmm. because. There was too many lingering shots on people's legs and oh. like, I'm sorry, but I understand that the guy's legs are messed up. Mm-hmm. You don't need to show me that five times in the same scene. I counted. That's true. Yeah. It was, it five was a lot times, in, the, in the same each, scene. Each, each shot lingered for mm-hmm. multiple seconds. Like, yeah, I get it. I understand. Mm-hmm. Like war's messed up and bad stuff happened to bad people. But that happens on both sides no matter which 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 army I, you're in I do want to talk about that and <laughs> it only ever depicted peop, uh the enemy as the enemy mm-hmm. and it, but, and any time that someone died mm-hmm. even if they were bystanders or uh, bystanders it was always like no they deserved it they are, they chose this i do uh, but i do want to put a button on this ptsd thing with uh i th- i think in a sense by the end of the film it oversimplifies yeah because he, it shows that he goes and he helps, and then it's He's kind fine. of an, it's kind yeah, of an undeterminate now. amount of time. And yep. then when we get to that final scene, he he seems really great. Yeah, he really I, seems adjusted. But I then wish. it kind of demonizes that other veteran, right? In a weird way, and I don't think the movie accounts for it in a way that makes any kind of sense. Besides to demonize certain kinds of people or certain kinds of veterans or it's so weird because i really felt like each tour kind of needed a date on it like just give me the date that each tour started and maybe like because if we had a date during his first tour and then all the way to the last tour Mm -hmm. and then his death that would be fantastic time stance we could see the evolution of him as a person and the way he changed and then from the end of that first tour to his death we get an idea of how much time passed since he left the war well because what inspires him supposedly to join the seals is nine eleven. Yeah, so and it makes it goes at least twelve yeah. years right from that to his death. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> huh. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so in that final scene, with which, uh, f- from what I'm getting from what you've read, Jordan, is that that was perhaps added on much later. Yes, and I, and you can tell mm-hmm. because that final scene, the way. And and we both have this written down here. The way it kind of lingers on his wife, yeah, and the way she looks. Well, at him. it's not just the lingering on the wife. The, there's there's a couple of shots where we are the wife's point of view as she's closing the door, which is the first time it's ever done that in the entire movie. But then it's also like her point of view. She's closing the door in a really slow way, like a and not giving trusting, the weirdest way. look yeah, at the guy. It's like she knows. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but that. Did- what what did you think, Tom, about um, that about that a, scene, that shot? Well, I saw it about two weeks ago, and I kind of knew the ending, so mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking, is the story going to continue? Is there going to be something after this or not? But I kind of figured, oh, he's the guy who killed him, and mm-hmm. I didn't feel as manipulative, but, but then again, it, that was two weeks ago, so I don't remember too well what I thought. It just wasn't manipulative. It was like, this is... This is hinting at her knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and and it, having a bad feeling about the situation. And everything else about that just depicts... And, and it also is way heavy-handed because... He's the, like, I love it, you, kids. We'll play a game when I come back. And I'm he's coming back, guys. And he's I'm coming re- back, everybody. Yeah. And, he, and the, 
the camera lingers on that gun at least seven times in that scene. Mm-hmm. Just keeps going, hold up, view in, tight shot on that gun mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And I'm just like, okay, this is the scene where he's going to die. As soon as it showed him holding a gun, I was like, this is when he's going to die. Yeah, it doesn't... He never has guns around his family until that point. That's, that's why I'm saying it, it, it does a weird thing where it demonizes that one man instead of the whole rest of the time it's, it's humanizing the, the veterans. Yeah. And in that one instance, it demonizes right. this one veteran yep. in a weird way that it didn't make sense for me for the entire rest of, rest of it. And in that case, I think it's, like, in a sense, disrespectful to yeah. to PTSD to you know ha- what happens when you come back in 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 a way that it isn't in certain other aspects and it, and it just I mean I have a lot of respect for the guy he you know did a lot for our country mm. but to go out with a guy that you've never met before that you don't have anyone connection with and it's just some woman he saw at the supermarket said take out my son and you don't find like I'm sorry. The guy looked on. They did. They did a really good or bad job making him look unstable. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't want that guy around guns. Well, here's the other immediately thing um, from an article that I read before I saw the film. He didn't go alone with this guy. He went well, with a friend. It looks like he went alone. Exactly. The film, the film portrays it as it's the two of them going alone, and and the film doesn't even mention the fact that another man died because of because of this unstable person. Yeah. It was. It wasn't just Chris Kyle. It was. It was Chris Kyle and that's, a friend. That's a little weird too. Like, why yeah. are you just making it? it, it <sighs> it's so about him. It's so centric on him and his experiences. It's almost like he fought that whole entire war. Yeah. It was like when he came home from from the war, he you know they weren't getting anywhere. Yeah. They only got somewhere when he was there. He was mm-hmm. the only one who could kick down the doors. He was the only one who could kill the snipers. He was the only one who knew things. Yeah. And it, it seemed at times like he was calling the shots on the whole thing. Right. Which, which that seemed insane to me. Mm-hmm. That can't be the way that it's actually done. No. There's but, always a chain command and yeah. people, yeah. Like if he did half the things that they showed him doing in that movie, I feel like he, he wouldn't be there for very long. Mm-hmm. Like he was interrogating people? That was a little weird. That I seemed mean, very odd. I mean, the Navy SEALs do have like a special role when they work with other branches of the military. Mm-hmm. They do have more of an operational control. Yeah. And he did have, I mean, he may have been the commanding officer with that group. Mm-hmm. In which case, he, who else is going to interrogate him? You know what I mean? Yeah. But it would seem, if they're interrogating uh, someone that they might be able to get information from, why wouldn't they send someone of higher rank out there? Yeah, or someone, take him to a safe location. Like, they were doing it right in the middle of the war zone. So that's not obvious to everyone else in the war zone to be it's, reported back to the guy. Like, yeah. usually they'll transport... <laughs> which I is mean, exactly what happened in the film. Exactly. Yeah. Like, take that entire family, uproot them, take them back to base... Mm-hmm. You know, have someone with operational control who can, you know, make these decisions. It felt like he was making decisions without ever going back to his commanding officers. And well, like, at the end, hey, he, is this cool? he does make a decision that they did not approve of. Right. And it nearly got all of his friends killed. Which I also think, uh, and the more I think about it, the more I think in the scene right before that scene, uh, they kind of hint at, I, I don't think he killed anyone that day. There, that, that sniper, he didn't kill that sniper. Mm-hmm. That that and because that, it's, and it, it wasn't Mustafa or whoever because, whatever Spectre he was chasing. That's an because 
the whole the whole term he has 160 confirmed kills that means that they have they found the body they confirmed it's that person or it was someone that like he was sent out to get and then yeah but was, there's always proof they there's always, always proof, usually yeah. i mean it's a little sick but they usually take a picture of the person to kind of prove that that target's been taken care of mm. as proof you know what i mean so that way oh no you didn't just kill some other random insurgent and and say that it was that person. Yeah. So there was no possible way for them to confirm that. Because they extracted after he made the shot, and then there was a sandstorm which covered up whatever evidence Everything. could have been there. Yeah. So I don't and, think. And it's not like they're going to go all the way to where he shot and go check out that area, and that that body would still be there. And yeah. I but I think, as you said multiple times now, that this was you know based on. Chris not, Kyle's writings, which with two other people may and, not have been true and, and, in the first place, and, and then it, if there's other writers, they embellish, right? Um, and of course, he's going to tell it like I saw, I saw a glint, exactly. and I shot and, it. And I've read so much research on like just how bad memory is, the way we fill mm-hmm. it in. Like uh, another podcast that which people should listen to is called Serial, mm. and mm. that's a really interesting mm. show. Never heard of it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's a really interesting show about like talking to people after the fact about events and how bad people's memories are that they don't remember a lot of things. So when someone writes a memoir about them uh, about themselves, usually they're using other people's accounts and they're they're using hard evidence. Mm-hmm. This is, it's not called a memoir. It's not I mean it's a it's a novel. They called it a novel mm. in the in the byline on the film. I didn't based even on the that. novel by. Didn't even notice that. And as someone who's taking creative writing courses, if something's called a novel, it's a work of fiction. Mm. So I'm wondering, like, how much of this movie is fact and how much of is Because even when someone makes a documentary, which is usually based on, you know, it's a true thing. That, like, it's as true as, as the footage as, exactly, that they edited. Because <laughs> editing and framing and dialogue and yeah. what you choose to show and what you not choose to show, mm-hmm. that's the director's and the editor's, uh, like... That's how they tell their story, and they're always trying to tell a story. So this is Clint Eastwood trying to tell a certain story. And there's a lot of people online saying that a lot of this stuff, while the facts are true, like where he was when and how many kills he got and mm-hmm. like what happened during certain events, a lot of that's true. They're saying that like personality-wise, he wasn't the way he was. Mm-hmm. You know, like he may have been really loving as a husband, but there are people who said that he was kind of a cruel person, Mm -hmm. which this movie shows him just as being a really nice guy at all times, even after being someone who's killed a bunch of people. Respectful in a weird way. Uh, Which is something that the military does to you, yeah. What did you think about both the veracity of this film and whether or not that's important? The veracity, I'm sorry. The truth. The truth. Nothing but the truth, so help you God. Well, here's the thing. I'm very ignorant on military politics well not politics but rules and regulations like what goes on over there mm-hmm. like I just took it as this emotional journey of one man I don't know Chris Kyle outside of this I didn't take it as fact necessarily because I know movies tend to fictionalize stuff Yeah. so I mostly took it as this journey of one man going through this journey of all this PTSD and stuff and I felt it was more to center on him than everyone else so I'm not exactly worried about figuring out everyone else who got screwed mm-hmm. over or whatever in his story like i just took it as this journey of ptsd i didn't really like look too much into like was this true was he demonizing this one guy it's it it's, bother me it's just the way it's having an effect on people's like people's opinions and the way they see because there's always going to be 
the two sides of, of how when a nation goes to war, like there's going to be people who feel strongly about the war and people who both in favor and against, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And some people have called this film like propaganda in a way. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it puts Americans in such a strong light and the people who lived in Iraq who were being forced out of their homes mm-hmm. and killed in a really bad light yeah. at all times. Yeah. Like the word evil is being thrown around every he, scene. He and other, other, uh, you know, uh, seals mm-hmm. called them savages. Yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. And that seems to be the over, like that's, that's their belief. That's the way that they approach it. That everyone that they're going to meet there yeah. is not a good person or, or whatever. Like it's, it's just not, I would have just... I would have liked this movie if it wasn't based on a real person. If this was just Joe Schmo's soldier Navy SEAL mm. going into Iraq and about like what happened out over there during like a twelve year period, mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed this movie more. But, but the way it couches the whole movie in in like this air of this really happened and this is how it really was mm-hmm. just comes off I don't know. I just, but I think beyond that what what really hurts this film for me is the way that it i i think this it lionizes the way that it makes right. chris kyle into this ultimate hero and he mm-hmm. has nothing wrong with him he yep. has no bad qualities right that we are shown except for the what the war did to him and he was a human being like yeah he, he's got to he have foibles somewhere faults. there's right. no way that this man is perfect and what we only see is the the good parts yep where they've they've completely cut out any parts of him that could be questionable or bad mm-hmm. or whatever, except for you know the the we see a little bit of bad side in the PTSD or in the actual war times because he's you know he's killing people. Mm-hmm. the The most human moment in the entire film is he a guy comes around a corner with a, a missile launcher, yep. he snipes him, and then a kid comes up and, and picks s- it up, starts to pick up the missile launcher, and he's he's just saying to himself, "God damn it, put down that, don't pick it up, don't pick it up," because he's going to have to shoot him. Yep. And that's perhaps the most human moment in the entire film. And, right. and uh, I don't know. I, th- I feel like that was kind of like in a weird place of the film to put it. Right. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't know. Like I, like, I love Black Hawk Down. I love Generation Kill. I, I really, I love just, I really like movies about war because it shows it has a possibility to show the many sides of battle and what it does to people and uh, how people are when they're they they're passionate about like protecting other people and stuff like that and the, the whole speech in the beginning about there being wolves and sheep and sheepdogs oh, sure. and like i love that whole thing but when i see a movie like this where it's so one-sided i just think back to like American colonies and British and French are invading Mm -hmm. and the fact that we used guerrilla warfare on them and they were people invading what, what were our homeland, you know, early Americans, their homeland at the time after, you know, we killed all the freaking native Americans, but let's not talk about that. It's a whole nother story, but I just feel like the idea of people being able to defend their homes is so completely squashed in a movie like this Mm -hmm. where, there's no possible way that we can be wrong in anything we're doing. But, like, people, like, I don't know. Even if a city's evacuated, there are going to be people who don't want to leave. And it's not because they're bad people. 
It's they just it's, that's where they live. That's their home. They, they don't, don't want to leave somewhere else to go. They, they don't, don't want to leave their home and move yeah. somewhere else. And like, I'm sorry, but if if someone came into Cyprus and said everyone's got to evacuate, unless it's because a nuclear reactor is going to go off or like a giant tidal wave is going to destroy or, or it's you know, unless it's some life threatening emergency, if it's just no, everyone has to leave because we say so. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I'm going to want to leave my home. Yeah, and it's and everyone became a possible enemy at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, that's, it's such you, a slippery the, slope. The two that they show in the film proved right. Yeah. The t- there was no depiction. two times. It, except for the little kid who puts on the rocket launcher. Almost Even him, everyone, I don't know. Right. I, because I don't know he was going to shoot the rocket at one point. Totally he picked it up, it up and he was trying to and he aimed it. Yeah. And then he dropped it. And that's the only reason he wasn't shot is because yeah. he dropped it and he was like, no, I don't want to shoot this rocket. But... They almost come into contact with no one who's just a regular person. Yeah. And that's not how it is. There's normal people living their normal lives over there, or at least trying to, Mm -hmm. in these horrible situations where wars are being fought in their backyard. And we don't get that side at all. And I understand the movies about Chris Kyle. I understand that. This is his life. But his experience couldn't have been like that every minute. Yeah. It didn't show that. that side. It only showed the bad parts where he was dealing with evil at all times. And like people who use drills on children. Like that yeah. that's that's the depiction of people in that country. Mm-hmm. And if you look on Twitter and like look up the hashtag American Sniper, it's people just talking crap, being completely racist. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the reaction that's that's happening. And that's I don't know. I feel like directors have a big responsibility, but this is uh, maybe I'm expecting too much from Clint Eastwood yeah, because Clint he's, Eastwood's. he's the same guy who who had an argument with an empty chair uh-huh. and was and apparently that empty chair was calling him curse words on stage because he was like, "Oh no, don't call me that name." And then uh and then he told uh, uh another director that if he ever showed up at his house, he would shoot him. Like said, "I'm going to kill director? you." Do you remember? It was Michael it was Moore? Michael Moore. He said, uh, if Michael Moore, oh. if you ever put a, put a camera in my face, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> like, like <clears throat> this is the person who directed that film. So, of course, it's going to be very pro-American values. Well, and he's from a time. Yeah, but know. he's making a modern movie that tons of people are seeing. Yeah. But then again, everybody in the movie theater that I went to was around the same age as Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. So, I guess. Yeah. He has a real dedicated following. I yeah, I understand that. And I was watching... You must advertise an AARP. I, I loved... <laughs> I, was, I was watching Clint Eastwood movies the other day in the middle of the night because I couldn't sleep. And there's still good stuff on there, but... I, he, I think... I don't know. I don't know how to, how to think about him. I, I don't know. I think there was a time and a place for Clint Eastwood. Right. And I think, I think that America is disappearing. With everyone else his age. Oh, sure. And the younger people who are growing up are kind of moving away. I just, I don't know. I guess it's too much to think that maybe I don't want to live in a militant America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as, as long as there's people like Clint Eastwood and other people who believe the same way, we're always going to be the country that's going to kick in other countries' doors. Yeah. Tell, the, I, tell them to get out, kick yeah. down their doors, and lift up their floors. Yeah. Looking for weapons. Yeah. Tom, any final thoughts? Well, I like Clint Eastwood. I guess I'm into his misery. <laughs> Did you even like Jersey Boys? Well, I that saw it in theaters. I honestly thought it was okay. It was like, it took out all the music in the musical, but otherwise it told an adequate story. I wouldn't recommend it, but it was better than J. Edgar, so 
tomato, tomato. I kind of like Jay Edgar in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was going to be some contention. Jay Edgar's like the only one of his movies, like in the past ten years, I don't like. I just there's something there. I think it's really interesting. I haven't had, had a, a bad makeup job. See, for, for <laughs> you cut out all those parts. You just do the young J. Edgar parts. I want the young J. Edgar parts. Okay, the bad editing. See, for <laughs> me, for me, it's just divorcing the Artur with his work. You know what I mean? But that, like, I, I don't even know if that's fair to do all the time, right? Because if you, if you, if you tried to watch a, a Quentin Tarantino film and pretended it wasn't Quentin Tarantino, you'd just. You'd right. be like, oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, hmm. it's yeah. Guy Ritchie. Yeah, it's yeah. Guy Ritchie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I totally, I totally feel you there, actually. Because like, a lot of the times... Because sometimes an auteur, it, like, that informs the work. Right. You're, you're, it becomes you a part enjoy, of the work. Yeah, you enjoy their little trademarks. And a Coen Brothers film, but it was like someone told you, oh, no, it was directed by uh, uh, Alan Smithy. But, but if you look at this movie, then, in, as a reference to an influence by his politics and the way he thinks about the world, yeah. that's kind of scary. <laughs> You you think it isn't though? I, oh man! I think if if someone like him makes those political statements to an empty chair, right? Uh, he's definitely going to make them into a film. Ah, Jesus! And yeah. and just everybody and their mom's watching it. So mm-hmm. that's and that's the problem. Like I'm, I was really glad it never said based on a true story because I I just hate how that comes up on screen all the yeah. time these days. Yeah. But everyone's taking this as a true story, even though it's based on a novel. And stuff is fictionalized. It's based on, yeah. And, you know, people don't talk like it's that based on stories life. that don't... But, I mean, especially after after a while, like, when everyone's... Like, when everyone knows who he is. Right. And they all call him Legend, and which it, is an awkward nickname. I, and I was, and that just seems insane to maybe me. It's just, maybe it's just Texas. I was in Texas recently. No one ever spoke about Chris Kyle. Okay. And... It's already a good like, step. That's, that's the first... I'm sorry, but this movie was the first time I ever heard his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Just a whole rever- I don't know, I don't know. All right, so good movie. I don't like the politics behind it. Well, um, I was overwhelmed with the emotion. I didn't pay attention to the logic. Maybe I need to revisit it. And were were it you from your angle? Were you tearing up at the end of the movie? Because um, I'm not joking. There were people sniffling and blowing their nose at the end of that movie. That's just allergies. Old people are no. Weak. These like women had to be consoled well, by their elderly husbands. Well, I was rattled, but that's because I was just really. And moved and intense by the sandstorm scene is like, yeah, was no, that, that was that really one. good. That yeah. was really good. So I was really just <laughs> high off of that, and then isn't that like five minutes later, and then it's over. And I really enjoyed the the actual real footage playing over the the credits. I yeah. didn't really. <laughs> just, I'm just glad they didn't try and that. like redo it Hollywood style. I'm just glad he didn't do the soundtrack. Right, <laughs> singing uh, over a banjo. Yeah, I don't know. I it's. Uh, it's probably my least favorite of the Best Picture nominees. Really? I, I, yeah. I know I, it's at your top, Tom, somehow. <clears throat> That's insane to me. I, I don't have a problem with it. I still need to see Imitation Game. Somehow it's a bunch above of Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. Oh, man. That's I, crazy to I me. I love Grand Budapest Hotel. but uh, And I love Imitation Game. Yeah, I just have a problem with everyone seeing this as like, oh, this is what we need to base our beliefs off of, which is kind of the fever that's going around right now. I don't do it all. I just see that you should, a no, story. Take a, take a night. And just go on Twitter and look up hashtag American Sniper. It is scary. Yeah, because I just take all these war films like Sergeant York or this, and they're just heroizing these people. But that's the problem is like in in like an HBO miniseries like HBO or, or like Band of Brothers, uh, HBO's Band of Brothers or HBO's The Pacific. Like it shows the other side. 
Do you know what I mean? It doesn't villainize one side and hero, make one side heroic. Like, these are just people doing things and they, they experience these it, things. You Whereas, mean it, wait, you mean it tells the truth? Yeah. Hold on. Hold up here. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is, like, I don't know. I guess... I mean, for the sake of them, like, that's the thing. Like, I just people wish say it wasn't the, about Chris Kyle. Yeah, people say person. for the sake of a movie, you've got to have a good guy and a bad guy. But I think the most interesting films, the most interesting stories, the are bad shade, guys... Are the Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, of course. But <laughs> the bad guys are... It's not just that, like, oh, I want to blow up the earth. It's mm-hmm. like they actually have reasons for what they're doing. Like, they're real people. That's they're not cartoons, of, which is kind of what this does. It car- makes cartoon characters out of everybody. Enemy at the Gates is the one where it's like two snipers, right? Yes. Yeah, that's one of the best depictions of the two sides. Because even though everyone sees the Nazis as the big bad, which you know, based on their actions, they were. Yeah. Like, it was. It was never about that. It was about two people on opposite sides, mm-hmm. and they were trying to take each other out. Okay. You know, it's funny. I thought of that movie once during the, as soon as they introduced the evil sniper yep. who won the sniping Olympics, and and he does uh, Assassin's Creed jumping. Right. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, that's this another, is enemy at the gate. That's another weird thing. What? Parkour is cool. Let's pull parkour in this movie. <laughs> He's free I knew you'd running. I have something to say about that. God, <laughs> the the evil sniper doing his little parkour. Yeah. Parkour's evil. Look parkour's at the evil. look at the evil parkour. It's also it's it has a foreign name with his parkour. Russian sniper rifle. <laughs> rifle. Jesus. <sighs> okay. I, I just uh, well, I really liked, but you gave me some to chew on. Yeah, maybe I'll check it out when it comes out. Do no joke. Yeah. Look at that. Go on Twitter. Okay. Oh man. Oh man. It's scary. All right. So that. Is our review of American Sniper? Oh, Cabbage Patch Baby, pop pop, <laughs> fake baby. Let me let's just end it with that. Okay. Fake baby. Well, no, I I also wanted to say I found that that he would have a sat phone that he could call his wife at any moment. Right? Because absolutely, he's the, no, he's the legend. Because no, one person actually sits next to him and goes, "Really, sat phone?" And he goes, "Hey, man, it comes with the perks of being the legend." Like he actually that's, says that. That's insane to me that he during during a mission during mm-hmm. he's sitting there with the gun and he yeah. can just call up talk hey, about babe, what's up inopportune times to call for your to answer a call from that's your insane. girlfriend or wife. That's insane. Okay, cabbage uh, baby, cabbage <laughs> baby. All right, so fake baby, Tom. What's coming yeah. out this weekend? All right, new in theater Sundance favorite Jupiter Ascending. Mm-hmm. That was the wrong place to show that wah, film. Wah, you show wah, that wah. at Comic Con, not Sundance. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, like, it's a no, dumb, no, I think it's a dumb sci-fi action what, movie. You what, don't show that. I don't at know Sundance. what the Wachowskis were thinking. Like they were thinking, I, we need to show this movie somewhere before it comes out, and it's ready now. Who do we show it to? Oh, Sundance uh, is right now. Well, in their defense, Cloud Atlas was allegedly the most expensive independent movie of all time. All right. I still don't think you should so show Cloud Atlas at Sundance either. Well, they didn't, but... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I guess that's their indie cred. Okay. Somehow you have a $100,000 movie and $100 million Well, they, they, made a lot, they made a lot of money off of the Matrix trilogy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Then after that, we have Seventh Son and the SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water. All right. Before we guess the ending, uh, let's give some thanks to Silent Partner, who made the, the song "Sophomore Makeout," which is our theme song, and we got it from the YouTube Audio Library. Yeah, I love that. Thanks, guys. Uh, also, thanks to Justin Kizan, who did our logo. Great logo. You can find him at Agents of Guard. That's agentsofguard.com, or on the podcast Ben View on Spielberg, <gasps> where he talks about. Uh, Spielberg films. When are they going to put out their third episode? Because I only have two. They're doing monthly. Monthly? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. I know you're running a network here, but geez. Benson does at least three weekly podcasts, I think, 
So he. Well, I don't listen to any of them, so he needs to <laughs> he work on the one many, that, he has that like I five podcasts. To. It's insane. Uh, and if you like Matt Benson, maybe you also want to check out another podcast he does with me. Oh, with you? Called Shut Up Leonard, which is about uh, the TV show Community, formerly of NBC, soon to be on Yahoo Screen, March 17th. Here we go. It's coming. Yahoo's like, we're losing all of our money. Buy a TV show. Yeah, smart. Yep. They're doing the Netflix thing. And uh, you can find that shutupleonard.com or at shutuplenpod. Uh, that's every week there's a discussion of community. Since we are waiting for season six to come, we're actually covering some ancillary things. Uh, like some, uh, we did two episodes recently on the webisodes. Ooh. There was quite a few of them. And yeah. I didn't, we didn't really realize how many until we did a couple. And then we we're like, oh, we can do another episode with all these ones. Oh, okay. So it's two episodes on webisodes. Cool. And uh, what was another thing we did recently? I don't know. But I, th- I think we're going to do some other ancillary, like Dan Harmon uh, type things, which may include a, a film. I'm going to say that much. Oh. Uh, you mean that pretty adequate film from last year? Uh, what? That documentary? Oh, we might do that one, too. Oh. Um, giving them one? more ideas. Yeah. No, we already knew about that one, but I just haven't bought it yet. Because I want a physical copy, and they only had a digital download. Oh, okay. Uh, All right, so that was a lot of information about me buying things. (laughs) Tom, what do you do on the internet? Uh, Okay. we got to remove one from here, I hear. Yes, I hear things. And um, I do a lot of things online, but the most notable one is at Optograph.org, where I review movies, TV shows, sometimes music. Right now, I'm doing a daily... Madman recap until we get to the last season. Oh, I'm so excited. So, yeah, that to look forward to. Even if I'm not on there today, it's, it'll pop up around midnight. Nice. I am also reviewing Girls and Bob's Burgers. And starting next week, I'm doing Better Call Saul, but I'm calling it Better Recall Saul. So, <laughs> so I'm, I forget. If that show's on Monday, I'm doing it on Tuesday. If it's on Sunday, I'm doing it on Monday. It'll be around. And so check that out. And, um... Also, write at Read Wave on Monday and Wednesday about similar things. Then let's see. And I just released a short story called Dead Horse and Dead Town. It's a murder mystery western, two ninety nine on Amazon, Barnes Noble, Smashwords, wherever ebooks are sold. So check that out as well. Um, I think I covered everything. Good, Jordan. Yes, you do internet things. I do on uh, GamersAltWeekly.com, Twitch TV. Backslash Gamer Salt Weekly. I will be doing two Saturdays in a row because I'll be in Arizona uh, on the 20th. So the first week, I'm going to be doing something crazy. still don't have my PS4 back from Sony because they like to take their time. So I'll be starting... I've got Destiny on both consoles because everyone at the website <clears throat> kind of picked sides before mm-hmm. the game came out. So I got it on both and then it seemed like most people were on PS4. So that's where I spent most of my time. I made a character on Xbox, so I'm going to pick that back up and kind of do a show on the 7th of uh, February about what's the game like now. Like, the first DLC pack has come out. They've rebounced the game a bunch of times. They've done all these patches. They've kind of changed the way the game works. So it's not the vanilla experience anymore. It's not the way the game was when it came out. So what's that experience like starting from level 1 and going to level 20? Is it going to be different? Is it funner? What's going to change? So that's going to be the 7th. And then the next week is Valentine's Day, the 14th. Mm. So I convinced my lovely partner, Christine, 
to play Diablo 3 with me because she really likes that game and it'll be like a co-op thing so we'll be playing together <clears throat> and uh, we'll just kind of talk about the game itself and why it's better to play with someone than it is to play alone because it's just, you know, that way and you get more benefits and stuff like that. So that's what I'll be doing the 7th and the 14th. I hope everyone comes by. Again, it's twitch.tv backslash gamer assault weekly and uh we actually do streams tuesday thursday friday and saturday from five to seven uh pacific standard time so please show up we have good stuff happening we usually have giveaways where we'll give away free games and there's always a lot of interaction with the chat so come by and say hi and you'll probably have a good time all right and you should vote for us on podcastland.com that's a website where they do monthly <gasps> podcast winning things cool. it's podcast of the month is what it's called nice. so every month you can go and vote again uh we'd appreciate if you did that it raises our profile just a tiny bit as well as you know rating reviewing and uh all that other stuff on itunes and stitcher yep five star review only and uh anything less and uh <coughs> we'll we'll pull a jay and silent bob and show up at your house <laughs> and you can find this podcast, Shut Up Leonard, Benview on Spielberg, and a lot of others at BenviewNetwork.com or on Twitter at BenviewNetwork. And you can find our personal website, NEVpodcast.com. Uh, send us emails, NEVpodcast at gmail.com. Movie reviews, disagreements, agreements, uh, ending guesses. Yeah, guess those endings. Please. Uh, and it really, the great thing about the network is there's so many shows under the umbrella now. Like, no matter what your interest is mm-hmm. there's going to be a couple shows that you're going to Ex- want to listen to except food we don't have a food show oh i can do that someone someone do a food show please so is there a show reviewing shoes uh no then you don't i can review everything. i can review shoes and food okay come up with can, a name for that i can have a new pair of shoes for each episode and a new dish for each episode <laughs> all right so and our twitter at nev podcast my personal twitter at podcaster andrew you're uh, something i'm at true valk I'm at OptiGrab, all one word. There we go. Uh, All right. It is now time for Guess the Ending. You'll never guess how it ends. Jordan is first. Oh, I'm first? What will he do? I probably should have looked this up first. Will he even have read it? So I did Jupiter Ascending, uh, directed by Andy and Lana Wachowski, starring Mila Kunis, Channing Tatum, Eddie Redmayne and James Darcy, Darcy, Darcy. Ding ding ding. Are you not watching Agent Carter? Darcy. Are we gonna have to <laughs> kick you out because you're not watching Agent Carter? No, I'm watching Agent Carter. He's in that. He's Jarvis. Oh, it's fake Jarvis. All right, he's real Jarvis, if you please. <laughs> uh, no, um, computer Jarvis. What's would be his other name? Uh, Paul Bettany is Paul the Bettany is of car- the real Jarvis. Jarvis. I'm sorry. There's Pretty a travesty sure. that they didn't get him. Um, he was too busy no, kicking he's gonna butt be Mordecai. He's going to be Vision. He was too busy kicking butt Mordecai. It would be confusing to people. Yeah, but Vision's a robot. Well, it's going to be Paul Bettany's face. It makes total sense for him to go from real Jarvis to computer Jarvis to Vision. That's a more accurate transition. Mm. It would be even weirder if it was uh, James D'Arcy, uh-huh. Paul <laughs> Bettany, and then James D'Arcy again as the Vision. I don't know what... Because it's going to be his face, right? It's going to be Paul it, Bettany's face. Wouldn't it be the real face of the real Jarvis? No. Why would he make a new face? 
because is that's not how it works. Good, no, just do people's face change don't change because look, I've seen transcendence. All right, people's faces don't change just because they're computerized. <laughs> by, by the end of, of Agent Carter, he's going to have a son, and that's going to be Paul Bettany. Oh and then Paul Bettany's going to die in an accident, and that's how they're going to explain his soul was in the computer, and that's going to go into vision. <gasps> Boom, lawyer. <laughs> Yeah, except, except you just made all that up. Uh, yeah. In a bright and colorful future, a young destitute caretaker gets targeted by a ruthless son of a powerful family that live on a planet in need of a new heir. So she travels with a genetically engineered <laughs> warrior to the planet in order to stop his tyrant reign. Is this describing the trailer that we all saw? I think it's describing the movie. I just like I, that it's a bright and colorful future. I don't. That sounds nothing like the trailer I watched. Not at all. The trailer I watched had like a marriage and like a. It back, wasn't a marriage. A it was a stabbing. It, it was a coronation. I think there's a little marriage. Going no, on there's there. a coronation. It's a little coronation marriage. Yeah. In order to get coronated, which, you got to get a little married. Which isn't that what you do when you have to marry a, car, a commoner? You make her a queen and then you marry her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you can't marry someone who's not royalty. We all know this from Princess Diaries too. Well, no. Wait, what's I was the just thinking Hold about on. Princess Bride and well, the engagement, and the and the most recent uh, fantastic uh, example of this, Gallivant. Um, oh, I'm not which watching is a that great one. show. The season's already over. You missed it. Well, it's, it's, on, it's on Hulu. Fantastic. And the internet. It's really freaking funny. Sure. It's got singing, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's really funny singing. Isn't it like it's, six episodes? They yeah, probably canceled it's it, right? short. That's no. Why it, that's why it's done. No, they didn't cancel it. It's really good, and a lot of people are watching it, <laughs> okay. and you're missing out. I'm not saying bad things. Because it's not, it it's not like canceled. strange magic singing where it's like, oh, we're going to have a musical part. It's always poking fun at itself. Okay. It's breaking the fourth wall all yeah. the time. Okay. It's really good. And on that same note... I hope that fourth wall's okay. <laughs> and on that same note, uh, <laughs> this is basically going to be... Uh, Mila Kunis <clears throat> it's going to be uh, Fairless Bueller's day off except it's Mila Kunis's day off <laughs> and it's about how she ditches her caretaking job to go on a crazy ride instead of Chicago it's going to be the universe and it's just going to be about her having fun and you know pretending to be uh, you know uh, a socialite and rich person to eat at nice restaurants and eventually they're going to break uh, <clears throat> Channing Tatum's dad's car and kick it off the side of a garage into a valley. And they're just going to have, you know, a good old-fashioned time um, before, you know, talking about what they're going to do with their lives and, you know, deciding on maybe moving out together and maybe ruling the universe. And uh, before she comes back to her kind of caretaker life and she's like, well, when I get older, you know, I can always go back to ruling the universe. And that's how the movie ends. Well, no. it's a nice little romp. Let's just say it's it's a modern '80s tale. Sure. <laughs> All right. I chose Seventh Son because I'm in it. Basically, it's about young Thomas, and he is apprenticed to the local spook to learn to fight evil spirits. His first great challenge comes when the powerful Mother Malkin escapes her confinement while the spook is away. This spook? Hold on. <laughs> How are these descriptions getting weirder? I thought, I thought that first one was strange. Now we're talking about spooks. Yes. I, I don't know if I can stand this. Okay, give it a try, Tom. All right. So I am now with the local spook, and I'm hanging out, and then all of a sudden I fight an evil spirit. It's like, take that evil spirit. I'm the seventh son, and I'll punch you in the seventh hole. And um, basically, from there, my first challenge appears when my mother decides to escape from the 
nursing home that she lives in. So I get all scared and like, oh, Mr. Spook, what do I do? And Mr. Spook's played by Jeff Bridges is like, hey, man, there's evil spirits everywhere. Just check out my new sleeping music. And it's like, okay. So we end up hanging out, playing the music, relax. Maybe we have a dream about bowling or something. And, uh, yeah, we have some true grit after that at a nearby uh, country breakfast place. And um, let's see, am I, and I have a crazy art because of the cholesterol. And, uh, shit, I need one more. Um, <laughs> and uh, Did they steal your rug? <laughs> I already did that one. And uh. then um, I went to the movies and saw the last picture show because I had a heart attack. My mom's still out there somewhere. Wow. That's rough. All right. All right. Here we go. Okay. SpongeBob movie. Sponge out of water. Directed by Mr. Tibbet. Uh, starring Antonio Banderas, Frankie Muniz, Clancy Brown, and Tom Kenny. <clears throat> SpongeBob goes on a quest to discover a stolen recipe that takes him to our dimension, our world, where he tangles with a pirate. All right. So, you know, you've seen the trailer. Him and his friends spongebob and and buddies when they get onto uh land they somehow do a thing where they become superheroes yeah don't forget that part that's important that's a very important part because then frankie muniz shows up and he's actually like his jimmy olsen he's like his human buddy right that he connects with and uh he has to save him a couple of times and so this pirate he wants also uh he also wants wants also this thing that makes them into superheroes so he can become a super pirate and and uh, be the best pirate ever uh but as you see in the trailer the he's just pretending to be a pirate he has like some kind of a food truck where he dresses up as a pirate and it goes to his head one day and then they find out at the end of the film that it it was Plankton snuck into this guy's ear, Antonio Banderas's ear, and has been whispering into his, his head all these crazy ideas of how he could be the best pirate ever. Mm-hmm. And Plankton wanted to get involved and get the thing and be super. Of course. So that he could get the recipe for the Krabby Patty. Because that's the thing. He knew that in the, like, in the moment, uh, SpongeBob would swap out the paper of the recipe for the superpower for the recipe for the Krabby Patty so that Plankton could take that go down to his little restaurant and while they're on land fighting crime plankton would be raking in the dough while back underwater gone. while everyone's gone mm-hmm. so when they get back they find out plankton is this, the richest guy in bikini bottom and that is the lead-in for uh spongebob the movie the desolation of plankton i'm so glad i don't watch that show <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh it's now time to end the guessing <gasps> I said it right this time. Yep, I'm proud of you. Uh, if any of those endings are correct, feel free to email us nevpodcast at gmail dot com or send us a, a tweet. Uh, I, are we going to watch one of these? I mean, Jupiter Ascending, right, guys? Yeah, I suppose so because it's the Wachowski film. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll just rent to your white people. Good. Uh, so until mm-hmm. next time, this has been episode two twelve of Nerds Have You. I'm Andrew. I'm Jordan. I'm Thomas. See ya.
did you record it? I missed Porn Poco. You did. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> so uh, are we doing Diner or uh, Porn Poco? Porn Poco? What are you talking about? Well, look, if you just, if you just look at it from the right angle... podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.